Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Well, I am excited to be with you this morning. If we've never met, my name is Blake. I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock, and we're really honored that you chose to spend a Sunday morning with us. And uh, we're starting this brand new series called Generous. And I just felt the whole room grab for their wallets. Don't worry. Like this whole thing is not going to be about money uh, at all. I think God's called us to be generous in many ways. Um, but really, the reason that we're talking about generosity is because I think it's really the life that God has called us to live. You know, and as you think about generosity, and as we, as we talk about this moment together, we, we talked about this as a church a few weeks ago. Listen, um, because we're in a building, what happens to a lot of churches when you have these incredible facilities and opportunities, you know, you kind of think that you've arrived. Like, hey, we got a building now, we, we're helping out, we're sharing with this incredible church faith, and, and like, all right, cool, we can relax. But I think when you're given tools like a building or a places to meet like this, it really doesn't just say like, hey, let's just relax. It gives us an opportunity to be excellent in brand new ways. And I think what God is calling us to do as a church this year is, is to be a generous church, is to be a church that's going to go out and help and love people. And so as I was thinking about this message and this series, uh, this one movie came to mind as I was thinking about this. I don't know if you like uh, the Rocky movies. I love the Rocky movies, most of them. Some like, get a little weak, but um, the ones that I really enjoyed recently were the new Creed movies, which are kind of coming out of this whole series. And, you know, the Creed, and there's this movie called Balboa, and what happens is, is if you know anything about the Rocky movies, honestly, Rocky's not a very good boxer. Okay, like that's not his thing. He's not like up there slamming people. He's really getting like slammed, but he can just keep getting up, right? Like that's the whole point is that Rocky, like what Rocky understood, what makes him a great boxer and what makes him better than others is the fact that he has heart. I mean, that's really what the entire movies are all about is how Rocky has this incredible drive and this ability to persevere, you know, and in this, uh, the movie uh, where we, we meet Creed and we meet Creed's son, Adonis, and Adonis is going to come back and avenge his father's death and all of these things. And, and Rocky looks at Adonis as he's preparing to fight. And Rocky looks at him and says, why are you fighting? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you going through this? And, you know, like you've already won this belt. You don't really need to face this guy. Like, why are you fighting? And Adonis really can't answer. And what Rocky's saying is like, look, if you don't have a why behind what you're doing, you're never going to succeed, right? Like, and it's always like in the Rocky montage, inevitably, Rocky's going to get knocked out. Like, Rocky's going to get rocked, and he's going to be on the ground. And what happens? There's a flash, like, montage, right? His wife, his son, like, growing up poor, his coach yelling at him, you know, like, all of these things. And what is that telling all of us? What that's telling us is Rocky, right there, is revisiting his why. Why he fights, why he keeps up, and why he wants to stand up and keep fighting. Because what you realize is Rocky really isn't there just to beat his opponent. 
He's really there to fight for his family, to fight for those that he loves. And what Rocky really understood is that life is about the heart. And really, that's what generosity is all about. Generosity is all about our heart and where our heart is with God. And so this morning, that's where we're going to go. We're going to kind of take the rocky understanding of generosity. You've got to understand the why you do what you do or we do what we do. But I want to make clear, like every year or every time I hear a generosity message or a message on giving or anything like that, I know we get a little bit nervous because when we talk about money, we get in your business. And people get really nervous about that. Like, hey, like you can talk about other things. I just don't want you up in my business. Like my money's my thing. And so don't talk about that. But God actually talks about this because he knows how quickly different things can rule us. And so God wants to help us rule the things that are meant to rule us. And so I just want to talk about a few like kind of ground rules. When we say the word generous, what do we mean? Because there's all kinds of different things that we can say here are different definitions of what generosity is. So here's my very simple kind of word or understanding of generosity. Generosity is anything that's one tick above normal. Anything that's above normal is generous. It's above and beyond what is the standard. And so we look at our lives and we look at these things and here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that we get to compare ourselves to everybody that doesn't mean we get to judge one another. It doesn't mean that we get to look into the parking lot and think, oh man, they shouldn't drive a car with that badge on it because they could give more. Right? Like, oh man, they only have two kids. I have five kids. Man, they could definitely give more time. Because generosity is not about that. And so whatever is kind of normal, generosity is one step above that. That's it. One step above But here's what else I want us to understand, because honestly, this could be a message in itself. It's not going to be. It will be one day. But in order to be generous, you have to be a good steward of your life. You can't be generous if you're not a good steward of what you already have, right? If you can't steward your time, you're going to have no time to give. If you can't steward your talent, you're going to have nothing to give anybody else, And even like that, like good stewardship of your talent is developing your talent, not just kind of saying like, hey, we're going to wing it, right? That's a stewardship issue. How about what you love or or this, money? Look, if, if everything that you've done and everything that you build in life, if your paycheck's already spent before you get it, then there's no way you can be generous. It's just not possible. And so God talks a lot about being a steward and then talks a lot about being generous after that. But this is the final thing that I want to hear, because whenever you talk about generosity or all of these things, this idea of what's called the prosperity gospel can kind of creep in. This idea that like people in this world have been promised like, hey, if you're generous and you give this much, God's going to return this much. God's going to give this much. And that's not necessarily true. Because that's not giving, that's investing. When you give to receive, you're investing. You're saying, okay, I'm going to put $10 here, or I'm going to give 10 minutes of my time or 10% of my talent. And when you do that, what happens is, is you think, oh, I'm going to get a tenfold return. You're investing. You're not giving. And what giving calls a lot of us to do is to give in a way where we expect nothing in return. But here's the reality. Here's what I know. 
when we are generous, when we give with an open heart and an open mind in all aspects of our life, we do receive something in return. It may not be tenfold on what you put in, but God's going to bless you and God's going to move you in a part of your life. Because what I really know and I think I believe is that when we give, when we of our time, our talent, our treasure, and our love, we're freed from a lot of things in life. And it's an act of faith. And so finally, generosity is not about what we can give or what we can gain when we give, but how we give because of what we received. That's what generosity is really about. It's not about, hey, if I give, I gain. It's more about because I've gained, I give. And so each one of us, every person here has something to give. Everyone has something to give. And so today we're going to take a look at the gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 29. And Luke is writing and kind of talking about all of these things. And Jesus is in this part of the gospel where he's talking to these lawyers. He's talking to these people who are experts in the law And he's going to kind of have some questions. And these guys are going to try to trip Jesus up, right? And if you remember from last week, what we talked about, we talked about some of these verses and what happened. But here's what Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25 says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? He said to him, What is written in the law and how do you read it? So this guy's a lawyer. Right, And we all know what lawyers are like. Lawyers are wordsmiths, right? And we're going to see how he becomes a wordsmith here in a second. So he says this. He said, what is in the law and how do you read it? So what does the, the word of God say and what's your interpretation? And so this lawyer answered and he says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, right? We talked about, like, you want to know the Cliff Notes version of the Bible, you want to, like, boil it down to really simple things, then it's this. Love God and love people. That's it. Love God, love your neighbor. That's what all of this really boils down to. And when we love God, we'll love what he loves, and he loves people. And so Jesus is like, oh, good answer, right? Like, you made it. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. This would be a really great story if it stopped there, right? We'd be like, man, this guy got it. Like he understood. But this lawyer, this teacher of the law jumps in and kind of starts talking again. And you're kind of like, oh no. Like, hey, bro, just stop talking. You got it right. Jesus said like, hey, good job. Go live this way. But he says this, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Oh, there's the lawyer, right? There's the guy who goes, okay, that's kind of a vague term, so I'm gonna need you to tell me what your interpretation of neighbor is, right? Like, this happens with our our kids. I'm gonna not name this kid, but here's what happens in life, okay? Our kids will begin to fight in the room, they're playing or whatever, and someone will come out crying, okay? I got hit in the back. They'll say, I got punched, whatever. I got hit in the back. So-and-so hit me. So we're like, okay. We call that person out, and we're like, hey, we got a report, okay? We, we got this kind of thing that's going on. There's some con- obvious conflict happening in the house. Come out here. We, we got to talk. Did you hit so-and-so? No, I did not. 
We saw so-and-so's back. There's an obvious mark on it. Did you hit so-and-so? No, I did not. So we have, we've learned, we have a lawyer in the house. We have to like, get real clear. Did any part of your body hit their body with a significant amount of force to cause injury? Yeah, 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 that, that did happen, right? Because I didn't hit him with a close fist. I slapped him, right? Or I elbowed him, right? It, it's the devil's in the details for this one. Right? It's like, oh, well, I didn't do that because that's not the correct definition of what happened. That's what this lawyer says. Because what's happening in both of those moments is, hey, we might define the terms a little bit differently, so I'm off the hook. I'm not really responsible for what you think I'm responsible for because we just interpret things differently. You say hit, I say tap. Right? Like, and so we have to get to these moments with our kids where we're like very general. Did any part of your body hit their body with a significant amount of force or thrust to cause do injury or do harm? Yes, that did happen. As I recall, something similar to what you just said did happen. Right? And then we're like, okay, so now that we're in agreement, let's go ahead and, and dole out judgment. Right? Like, here comes punishment. And here's what happens is that happens there, the same reason it happens right here in the scriptures. So who's my neighbor? When that word there to justify means that you would be able to explain your way out of not doing what you should. So this guy says, all right, what are, the, what are we supposed to do? How do you read the law? How do you get to heaven? This guy wants to know how to invest in life to get to heaven. Jesus says, it's not about investment. It's a gift. It's a gift that you receive. And I'm going to teach you a little bit about generosity right now. And so Jesus says, look, this is, the kingdom of heaven is not an investment kingdom. It's a gift kingdom. You and I receive a gift, and because of what we've received, we now give. Right? We, we continue to work in this life. It's not a, we don't believe in a works-based faith. We believe in a gift and grace-based faith. And because of what's happened to us, now we do some things. And so what happens here is Jesus is going to talk to this guy, and he's going to say, look, here's what's going on. Here, I'm going to start to tell you a story because stories are very hard to argue with because Jesus teaches in stories a lot. You don't get ambiguous on the de definition of the word neighbor, right? So it's like, I'm going to tell you a parable. I'm going to tell you a story, and let's see if you get the meaning of the story. But here's why what happens really in this first part of the chapter, and I think this happens with a lot of us when it comes to generosity. We, get, we have the right thing, but the wrong reason. We do the right thing, but the wrong reason. Here's what happens to this lawyer. He gets the what right, but he misses the why. It's just like Balboa, right? He says, hey, you got to know why you're fighting. You got to have a why. Then what will work out? But you've got to have a why. That's exactly what happens here. This lawyer, this teacher of the law, understands what? Love God, love your neighbor. He gets it. He gets the answer correct. But the reasoning behind it is wrong. The why is wrong. And we all know this to be true. If you grew up in any kind of math, you know you got to show your work, right? Because your teacher has to understand that you get the why you got to the what. 
right? Because anybody can guess, right? Like, oh, it's five. Hello? And the teacher's like, correct. Why? I don't know. I guessed. Cool. Life doesn't work like that. And so what the teacher says to you and I is, you got to know the why of what's going on. So show me the work. Tell me how you got here. And here's what happens to so many of us. We make generosity about the what and not the why. Here's what, what questions look like. What percentage of my life, of my money, of my time, of my talent, of my love am I supposed to give? Give me a percentage. Because it's not really about the heart for me. It's about the law for me. I got to know, um, know the percentage. Tell me that and I'll just do that. Because you're investing. You want to make sure you get to heaven or God's pleased with you. So you go, oh, cool. God likes 5%. God likes 10%. Whatever. And then you go, I'm never going to go above and beyond that. So you'll never be generous. Because that's normal. If we start living in percentages all the time, then we're just going to be normal. But God has not called us to be normal. He's called us to be generous. What amount of time, love, what, who is my neighbor? What does that even mean? Who am I supposed to serve? Am I supposed to serve these people over here? I don't even like these people. What about this? What gift? I mean, is it even really a gift? I'm not that great at it. Should I really be giving my talent to that? Are you sure about that? What, what about, like, I'm not gifted. There's no way I could ever serve in kids' ministry. If you can keep a human alive for literally an hour and 10 minutes, you can serve in kids' ministry. That's all that's required, right? We have teachers, we have curriculum, we have all of these things. You just need to go in and make sure no one dies for an hour and 10 minutes. That's it. That's all. You are qualified, right? Like we can make sure that happens. But here's what we have to get to. We have to get to the why of everything. Because why always matters more than what? Because we can get the answer right but not understand how we got there. And let me just show you why that happens. This teacher of the law looked to justify himself. What that means is, is, man, I really need to get this definition of neighbor right because I've actually been failing a lot in reaching and loving people. So if I can get the definition, my definition right, then I'll go ahead and be out of this, which is not a generosity mindset, right? That, that's an that's a investment mindset. And so what happens here is Jesus is going to help us understand why and why it's so important. See, the reason why many of us go to what is because we can compare ourselves to everybody. What amount? What percentage? What time? What talent? What neighbor? Okay, cool. I'm looking around. I'm doing better than everybody in here. If anybody's going to heaven, it's me because I'm doing better. Why is not about comparison. Why is about revealing our heart before God. And I'll just, I'm just going to show you how throughout the entire Bible, God has shown he's more concerned with why than he is what. Here, look at this. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 20. Let me just catch you up what's happening. Israel's messed up. They do this a lot. They're kind of a lot like us. They go and worship idols. You're like, I don't do that, really? Because like, what about Netflix, right? And so what happens here is Israel, things aren't going well. And God's like, look, because your why, your heart is a little bit messed up, this nation called Babylon is coming from the north. 
It's going to be a bad day. Okay? And so Israel goes, you know what? I get it. I know what to do. Let's make some sacrifices. Let's make some offerings. Look at, this is a uh-oh moment, right? Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 20. This is what God says to Israel. What used to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba, or sweet cane from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. God goes, you got the what right, the why's wrong. Yeah, you can make sacrifices and offerings to me and do all of this, but the why is all messed up, so I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to accept blood money. I'm not going to accept money to appease my wrath towards idols because you don't really care. You want to buy your way out of this. You're going to invest in this a little bit to get out of something that's going on. And God goes, I don't care about what, I care about why. Right? This is even Jesus' teaching when he says, hey, if you hate in your heart, you've murdered. Hey, if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. What Jesus is saying is it's not just about the what. It's about the why. And the reason that you and I so often make it about the what is so we can have situational earthly righteousness with other people. Instead, what God says, I've always been concerned with the heart. In the why. So they had to not only do the right thing, but do it in the right way. It's math. Yeah, you got the answer right. Show me the work. Show me what happened here. And for some of us, this is a really scary thought, right? Because like when I've given, I'm like, see God, like look, okay, here. So you're gonna give me more, right? So I can give more later, I'm gonna, okay, so I'm going to put this in the plate. This is me. Like, these are thoughts that I've had. Hey, God, you're certainly going to make me rich in the future because I'm giving right now. And God goes, uh, I think if I made you rich, you'd be, like, dead because your why, it's all messed up. And I tell people all the time, I taught at uh, university for a very long time. We all know college kids don't have no money. They're living on ramen, right, and pizza. I mean, that's life. But I was talking to students, and they were saying, like, Pastor, it's just so hard to give. We don't have anything to give. I said, you probably have a little bit to give. Like, you probably have, like, one Starbucks in you. You probably have, like, you know, one game download that you don't need to do. You have one new dance on Fortnite that you don't need to buy. Right? That's, there's probably something somewhere in the budget that you could give of your time. I'm, I'm so busy. I'm in three classes right now. You have a job? No. Oh, but they don't got no time to give. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And what happens is, is there's this assumption in our life that goes completely wrong. It says, if I have a lot, I'll give a lot. If I have a lot of talent, I'll give it. If I have a lot of time, I'll give it. If I have a lot of love, I'll give it. But the reality is, is if you can't give in little, you can't give in a lot. Because it's a why issue. It's a heart issue. And here's the thing that's happening to so many of us. You're missing the blessing of God in your life and not like a financial reward. You're missing a life that's lived for the kingdom where you're less in bondage to yourself and you're more about serving others. We saw it right in the video bumping up to this moment. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive, right? And so Jesus goes, look, I'm not gonna squabble over words with you. We're going to go ahead and have a conversation. I'm going to tell you a tale. I'm going to tell you a little story. 
give you a little rhyme, and let's see if we get this. So here's what happens. Verse 30, but Jesus replied, he didn't even say, he's just like, I'm going to tell you a story. You ever had that happen to you? You ask somebody a question, they just start a story, you're like, what's happening, right? Uh-oh, we're going down memory lane here, right? This is what Jesus says. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed. If you're naked and dead, almost in a ditch, it wasn't a good day, right? Like, that's how bad it was. They took his, they took his clothes, right? Not just his stuff. They took his clothes. Like, that's a, those are mean people, right? And so what happens here is this guy, he's basically leaving him half dead, verse 31. Now, by chance, you're like, oh, good. Story's going to get good. Now, by chance, seems like a good thing. A priest, a pastor, a preacher, a holy man, he was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Y'all ever been there? You're walking down the sidewalk. You see somebody that looks half high, half drunk, half naked, half weird, sitting on the sidewalk, holding a sign, asking for food or money, and you go, I ain't messing with that. No, 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 today. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side of the road and walk beyond him. I mean, can we just be honest? I've done it. That guy looks a little weird. That guy looks a little scary. That guy looks a little worrisome. That guy looks like he might want more from me. That guy, I, I could get hurt. I'm going to the other side. And what, don't hear this. We're not saying don't have wisdom. If the guy's sitting there with a gun and a knife, I'm not going to say, hey, go give him five bucks. I'm going to say, go to the other side. Maybe walk the other way. Like, that guy's going to kill me, right? But this guy's half dead, naked, in a ditch. So this priest sees him and goes, yeah, I don't, I don't want to deal with that mess. That's obviously a mess. Have you all ever done that? You see somebody who's obviously a mess and you go, I don't want to deal with that mess. That's going to cost me. I don't even want to know the story because I don't want to be responsible for the details. I don't want to deal with this. And so this priest, this holy man, a guy who's called by God to love and serve people goes, I ain't going to deal with that mess. That's too much. Look at that guy. He's half naked. What am I going to do? You know that there's a story when a guy's bleeding, half dead in a ditch with no clothes on. You know there's a story and it didn't go well. So this priest goes, you know what? I'm going to go to the other side. Verse 32. So likewise, a Levite, these guys were called by God from the tribe of Levi to serve in the temple. They were called to serve in the temple to help people. And likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And you go, what is going on? The pastors, the people serving in the church, the people doing the ministry, see this guy and they walk on the other side of the road. Because honestly, what's in it for them? It's going to cost them a lot. It's going to probably cost them time. It's going to cost them talent. It's probably going to cost them some money. It's going to cost them some love. And they got somewhere else to be. See, like a bunch of historians and guys who write commentaries have all begun to argue about like why these two people would go to the other side of the road. Well, because they, they have to remain ceremonially clean. What if they're on their way from Jericho to Jerusalem and they got to go to the temple? Here's the deal. Jesus doesn't tell us because it doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't say, and that's why they went to the other side of the road. Jesus goes, they failed in what they should do because I've not called you to be an investing people or a normal people. I've called you to be a generous people. 
And here's what I think we see in this passage. I really think there's three heart postures that will kill generosity. I mean, they're just, they'll slay it. They're going to dominate it. They're going to roll. They're going to treat it like these guys treated the guy laying in the ditch. The very first thing that I think we see, a heart that will kill generosity in your life, and I mean this in every single way, not just money, not just time, not just talent, but maybe patience, peace, love, forgiveness. I mean, we're t- I'm not, this series isn't about your pocketbook. This is about your life. And there's three hard postures that will kill it. The very first is selfishness. Look at what verse 30 says. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed him, departed, leaving him half dead. How much more selfish can you get? They weren't even nice robbers, right? Like they could have beat him up and like dragged him to the next town to make sure he's all right. I mean, they didn't want to kill him, but they didn't care enough about him to help him. Like, they took all his clothes. Like, that's pretty messed up. And here's what happens in the story is we see that when we are selfish, we devastate people. See, this doesn't just talk about the robbers. Jesus goes, hey, these guys, we know that that's wrong. But I want you to see what selfishness does to people in your life. It leaves them beaten and half naked and lying in a ditch, and you'll leave them. That's what happens when we're too generous with ourselves. See, some of us are very good at being generous with me. And you wonder why your relationship's broken. You wonder why you have no money anymore. You wonder why you aren't happy. You wonder why life is hard. It's because you've devastated everybody in your life. You are like just this stone rolling down a hill, flattening people as you go. And Jesus goes, this isn't the way that I've called you to live. This isn't what I've called you to do. But the second two hearts that I think we see in this passage come from the priest and the Levite, and they have the same heart. The first is apathy. Apathy will kill generosity because you just don't care. See, generosity goes from out of you towards others. If you're apathetic, you're not going to see the needs of people or, or the church or anything and try to help meet those needs. Like we've talked about this. And here's what's funny. Our, our team has told us like, man, this, I don't know if this would work. A couple years ago, we were in a church. We were helping plant it. And um, it blew up. I mean, blew up. And there was a day where we realized that every kid's worker had worked in there for three months straight. Three months straight, three months straight, these kid workers had worked in kids' ministry and had not ever been able to set foot in a service. So they're giving and giving and giving, and as pastors, you gotta realize like, hey, we're here to shepherd the entire flock. So we started to put out messages. Hey, we need some kids' workers. We need some people to come in to sign up to do this. No one signed up. Not a single person. So we got in a meeting. The lead pastor said, you know what we're going to do? We're not opening kids this week. We're not going to tell anybody. When they show up, the lights will be off. So we get there at church. 
I mean, I was like excited. I was like, yeah, right? And what happened was, is people would be like, hey, we're here to check in our kids. And there'd be a person at check-in and said, hey, there's no, there's no kids ministry today. They're like, what? Yeah, there's no workers. So we had to choose those who are being generous and give them a week off. And if no one signs up, there won't be any kids ministry next week either. They need a break. You know what happened? We got a bunch of signups all of a sudden. But there are still people who just didn't care because they're apathetic. And see, what apathy led to was those kids' workers getting crushed. So we had to just stand in the gap and say, hey, we're shutting it down. And they're like, we can't shut it down. What if people leave the church? All it is is some kids that won't be in your ministry because those people really don't care. They're not really part of our church. They're just here to consume. We're okay losing those people. You say, pastor, how can you be okay with that? Because this is a family. We don't want them to do bad. We're going to send them to another place, and we're going to say, hey, this might be a place for you, but we're about participating here. This is about all of us together doing this. And so apathy is something that will kill generosity. And here's the final thing that I really think kills generosity, fear. Fear will kill generosity. Because fear asks some questions, like right before you're about to give in any way, time, talent, love, whatever. This is what fear says. What will happen to me? Like, if, what if, if I go serve in this area, what if they ask me to do it again? What if I got to do it like once a month? Like, what? Oh, uh, I can't do this. My life, it needs to be in my hands. What if I give, like, how am I going to make it? What's going to happen to me? What's going to go on? How am I going to pay this or pay that? Or how am I going to go to that movie or get that Starbucks or whatever? And listen, we're not in here talking about giving yourself into poverty. We're not in here talking about giving to a place where you give, but then you got to go to credit. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is like these fears of like, what if I'm forgiving towards them and they do it again? Like, they don't even really deserve my forgiveness. And then what if I give it and now I'm hurting? Now I'm hurt. Now I'm in trouble. Now I'm having a hard time. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so what happens in all of this story is, is like we see, notice how religion got in the way. The ones who were to do it are the ones who didn't do it. And so what happens is, is Jesus then goes into the story, and this would be a little bit insulting, this next part. He says this, verse 32. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, the guy laying on the ground, oh, there's the heartbeat that opens up generosity. He had compassion. Compassion. He saw someone's need, and it moved him to action. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, both of which were healing. Wine would help clean the wounds, help kind of like as an antiseptic, the alcohol would work in that way, and then the oil would help seal and cover and help give a barrier between these wounds and help with healing. And so what happens, he gives wine and oil, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He got his own ride, put the guy in the ride and walked alongside the ride. And then he goes to an inn. And not only when he gets there does he go, hey, this guy's like messed up, good luck. He stays 
and takes care of the dude. Then he, he does that and it says, look, in verse 35, and the next day he took out two denarii, which are a day's wage, each one. So that's two days worth of work. And he gives them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And he could have stopped there. Take care of him. And he says this, and what more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. He didn't just leave him there. He goes, I- I'm going to help him over the night. I'm going to make sure he makes it through the night. I'm going to pay his bill so he can find a place to rest. There could be some Jesus in this story, couldn't there? I'm going to pay his debt to make sure he has time to rest and heal. And then I'm going to come back and whatever else is dealt with, it's on me. Whatever's incurred, it's on me. And then Jesus says this, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? And this guy answers correctly, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. See, when you get when you get the why right, what is easy? When you get the why right, what is easy? What, what doesn't consume you? What doesn't overtake you? In fact, what really isn't the question? It's the why. That's what, exactly what the Samaritan did, which were these people who were despised, who the religious people of the time, like this lawyer, would think they're better than them. And Jesus chooses somebody who they think they're better than to be the hero of the story. Right? And he goes this, like, anybody can be the right person. That's what Jesus is saying. If a Samaritan can do it, anybody can be the right person to be generous. That's it. It didn't say a rich man. It, didn't say, it just said a Samaritan shows up, sees the need, is moved with compassion, and then goes and is generous with this person. And here's what we see. He cares for this guy, and I think he uses what the rest of the series is going to be about. He uses his talent. He binds his wounds. He takes care of him. He uses his knowledge and his ability to help bring healing to help heal this guy. He uses his treasure, two denarii, but not only just two days wages. He gives oil and wine and and sackcloth to wrap the wounds, and he gives his animal, his ride. But not only that, he gives his time. He gives us time to help this guy. And above all, he gave love. And so we look at this story, and if you're like me and so many of us, we're like, man, good Samaritan. What a dude. What an incredible guy. And we, we do this. We take the story, and we go, cool. So I'm the good Samaritan. You've interpreted the story wrong. You're the guy in the ditch. Jesus is the good Samaritan. That's exactly who he is. Jesus is the one who gave of his time, his talent, his treasure, and his love to save the ones who were in the ditch because he saw what sin did to us. Because sin is a thief. It's a robber, and it doesn't care about you. It wants to abuse you. Sin is the robbers at the beginning of the story. Sin will come and it will beat you. It will strip you naked and leave you in the ditch. And Jesus is the good Samaritan. 
Jesus looks down from heaven and goes, we got to go. All of humanity's in a ditch, and I'm not going to cross to the other side, and we're not hitting the reset button. We're going to get down there, and we're going to go for them, and I'm going to do exactly what they couldn't do, and I'm going to live the life that they should have lived, and I'm going to die the death that they deserve, and I'm going to rise again to get them out of the ditch. We're not the good Samaritan. We're the one in the ditch. But generosity is all about what we give because of what we've received. The why. So why are we generous? Why are we a generous people in this world? Why are we the ones who go out and will go above and beyond what is normal? Just one tick. Because we have received Jesus. Generosity is evidence of Jesus' people. Why? Because he's the good Samaritan. And so what does Jesus say? Don't be like this guy. Be like me. Go. Find the hurting. Find the, hurt, the helpless. And go and get them. And help them. And I believe that God is calling us to be a generous church. This year and forevermore. To go one step above what is normal. To go one step above what we need to do. And so as the band comes up, we're going to land the plane here in just a second. But as you think about this and as we talk about this series, here's what I want you to understand. This isn't in the Bible, but I just want us to imagine for a second. Imagine the guy in the ditch. Imagine him for just a moment and what he's going through in life. And when he's at his worst, someone comes and helps them and gets them and heals them and buys opportunity for them, and anoints them, and does all of these things. What do you think, this isn't in the Bible, but what do you think would happen to that person after they're all healed? What do you think that they would do when they're walking down the same road and see the next guy or girl in the ditch? Do you think that they'd look at the mess and go, oh, I got to go to the other side? I remember that story, and it's a mess. Or do you think they'd go, I remember that story because I am that story. I have to help. That's generosity. That's what this is all about. And God has called us to be this kind of people because we receive so much in Jesus Christ. And because of so much we've received, we can no longer try to define the terms with God. We just have to say yes. Who's my neighbor? It's not about that. It's about the why. When you get the why right, the what is easy. The neighbor is easy. The amount is easy. The, the person is easy. The time is easy. The talent is easy because Jesus isn't here to do behavior modification. If you want that, leave here. Go to Barnes & Noble. There's a whole section called self-help. Go get into that mess. Like, just go get it. It's a $5 billion a year industry. Because here's what we all know. We're the guy in the ditch. And all of us right now are trying to get ourselves out of it. But in order for you to be a generous person, you've got to receive the generosity of God. You've got to get out of the self-help stuff and start getting to the Jesus help stuff. You know, Jesus sent us the great helper, the Holy Spirit, that when we believe in him and confess in Jesus, that he sends us a helper, a good Samaritan.
Nathan, who not only gets us out of the ditch, but resides with us, like, and at the end, and says, whatever happens, I'm taking care of it. See, this, this message in this series is not so much about you. It's so much more about him and how we respond to him. And he says, generosity's infectious. Because it's not about what, it's about why. And when we understand the why of God, we always get to a who. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so you and I, we move forward as a church. And I believe generosity for our church is going to be easy. Why? Because we know who. And all that he has done for us. And I believe you will see your life find new purpose, new meaning, your joy to be greater, your appreciation to be there every day. What if generosity was the cure to your ailment because it's what God's called us to do? And so I don't know where you are in your life, where you are in this moment. I get that it's hard. I get that it is, it is cumbersome in life. You, you Maybe you're in a ditch right now. Here's what you need to hear. He's here. He's come down. He's already done the work. You and I just need to receive it and just say yes. And that doesn't just mean for salvation. It means in every single part of your life. And so this series is how we can be generous because Jesus was generous. And whether it's your time, your talent, your love, whatever it may be, we can find how to get that kind of life through him. And I believe this will be your best year ever because you'll be freed from so many different things. Thank you for jumping into today's message and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.